Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am the host of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. No matter where you are in the world, I want to thank you for giving me a few minutes of your day to hear my thoughts. As always, we have a great show for you today. Now here are our topics. Hello, everyone. Desmond Price coming to you here on what has been a very sad day uh, for me and for many people around the country and around the world. Uh, This is a political podcast, you know, first and foremost, but on days like today, I just can't help but talk about um, the news of the day, which is uh, the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gianna, uh, who both died along with seven others in a helicopter crash outside of Los Angeles in a town called Calabasas, I believe. I've been watching the coverage all day, um, unable to really make sense of it. Um, You know, many celebrities have passed in my life. Uh, Just to give some perspective to those out there who don't know, I am uh, relatively younger. I'm 29 years old. So um, I've seen plenty of um, people pass in my life. Some of them, you know, were significant to me. Others were not as significant in the sense that they just didn't, like, impact my life. And I normally don't find myself getting overly worked up when celebrities pass away. I always felt like it was kind of strange when people would get upset. But when I found out today, I just became overwhelmed with sadness. And I couldn't really understand why. And I sat with it and I watched it and I was just in disbelief. And I couldn't, I I kept just checking the news to see, is this actually real? Did that really just happen? Like, he's so young. Like, how how did this just happen? And to hear about his daughter, and who's 13 years old, and it's just, I, I believe it's one thing when you see a death coming, in the sense that, like, you know, people are older, they're in their 60s or their 70s or their 80s, and, you know, like, it just, you know, that's just... I mean, primarily 70s and 80s, like, that's just something that you would, when people die at that age, like, you kind of, you just come to a place of acceptance, because that is just when people normally pass on. But to die in your 40s, so tragically, in a helicopter crash like that, it's it's a lot. I'm, I'm going to take a brief minute here just to talk about what exactly Kobe Bryant meant to the world for those of you who don't know who he is or why this is relevant, I'm going to try to tie this up nicely at the very end here. I um, Kobe Bryant was somebody who um, spent some of his time in his early life living in Italy while his father played professional basketball over there. So he grew up uh, speaking multiple languages, including uh, Italian and, you know, English. He could speak Italian fluently. And he eventually moved to Pennsylvania in, um, 
to uh, an area like southeast of Philadelphia where he went to high school while his father played for the Philadelphia 76ers. And at the time when Kobe was drafted into the NBA in 1996, he was the, I believe, the first player ever to come out of high school straight into the NBA. Uh, For me, at that time, I was about like six or seven years old, and I think those are my first memories of even watching basketball. I was a big Michael Jordan fan, as most people were, especially after seeing him in Space Jam. You know, being a kid, that was like one of the coolest things ever. But as long as I've been a basketball fan, Kobe Bryant has always been, you know, relevant in the sport. And I watched him growing up as a young 76ers fan myself, because I grew up in that area. I remember watching him in the 2001 NBA Finals against the Sixers and being kind of depressed when the Lakers, you know, beat down the Sixers. And um, I just loved watching his career unfold. Like, Kobe was a person who was never really controversial in the sense of he never really got involved in politics. He never really got involved in creating like too much controversy. He just was a person that loved what he did and wanted to be great. And this is, I think, as I spend some more time with this today, is what has truly made me sad. Because Kobe Bryant, in basically the way I see it, he embodied what Americans all try to aspire to be. He is the person who wanted to be great at something, and he just worked his ass off relentlessly he would be in the gym every day even though he at at times he was considered to be not only the best basketball player in the league but one of the greatest ever but that never stopped him from wanting to be better he just always wanted to improve he wanted to just find different ways to be better and he would sit and practice in a gym and just shoot for hours upon hours upon hours he never took his skill for granted. He never took his place in the game for granted. He never sat there and marveled at his own greatness. He always wanted to aspire to be better, but he wasn't arrogant about it. He would often mentor young players, like just without really being provoked. He would approach young guys in the in the NBA and try to teach them about how to be better pros. He would you know, hang out with them outside of the game of basketball and teach them about life if they wanted to know, you know, just about like how to, what it took to be a professional in the NBA, what it took to handle your finances. Because a lot of these kids who come into the NBA come from just poverty and don't really know how to handle having that level of wealth thrown at them. And on top of all that, in his later parts of his career, Kobe became a really great father which makes the passing of his daughter Gianna along with him even more tragic. Kobe had four daughters, three of whom are going to have to grow up now without their father. And as his career came to an end, he just talked about how like grateful he was that he'd be able to just spend some time with his family. He loved his family, his wife Vanessa, his children. He you know, started coaching his daughter 
um, his basketball team because she grew to love the game of basketball and said that one day she wanted to go to the WNBA and be a great basketball player like her father. And now that dream will never come true for her. And it's just, um, it's, a, it's a sad day. It, it really is. Kobe was uh, the embodiment of what we all hope to be in the sense that we all just want to work really hard and do something that we love to do and be able to provide for our families and just not take life for granted. And that's the kind of person he was and that's the kind of life he led. And it's a shame because I feel like that's the kind of person who would have done so much more if he had more time on this planet. He, in his few years since he left the game of basketball, he was an avid just fan of women's sports, constantly campaigning for the WNBA to have better just salaries and just better facilities and just always was bringing his daughter to WNBA games because a lot of people talk about how they deserve better, but not a whole lot of players in the NBA really would ever like show up and like actively support them. But Kobe would. Kobe would show up to you know, women's basketball on the collegiate level. Here was players at the University of Oregon that he mentored. He showed up to the World Cup for women's soccer. And he was also a person who followed many other sports. He was close friends with Peyton Manning in football, Tiger Woods in golf. He would constantly go see tennis tournaments and watch stars like Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal. Just um, a true icon on many levels. And I'm going to take a quick moment of silence to remember Kobe and Gianna Bryant. Rest in peace. And in your honor, I will try to continue this show and the other things that I have to do today by going to work because that's what Kobe would have done. Kobe's the kind of person who relentlessly pursued the things that were important to him and I will try to honor that by doing the same today and after a short break I will bring to you our uh, next program of the day. Betty's Divine is a locally owned boutique on the magnificent hip strip in downtown Missoula, Montana that has been a fixture in the Mountain West since 2005. We have a fondness for vintage inspired clothing, shoes and accessories for humans, as well as the real deal found in our vintage department, Divine Trash. Betty's Divine presents a snapshot of Northwest styles with an emphasis on street, skate, surf and rock and roll culture, as well as Americana classics. Alongside a radical selection of clothing, Betty's Divine offers a damn fine array of shoes, jewelry, records, and accessories to satisfy any taste, whatever your age or vibe. You can count on us to prioritize financial, social, and environmental responsibility without sacrificing the look. Visitors enjoy a lovely atmosphere, dreamy tunes, and the best customer service in the West. And you can shop us online at Betty'sDivine.com. Hey 
Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order. from break everyone. So in our main segment today, I want to talk to you about early voting. As all of you know who are um, tuning in today, the elections are coming up for a lot of us. Um, Not for myself personally, because I live in a state where my primary won't be held until June, unfortunately. But for a lot of Americans who are planning on voting in the Democratic primaries, the time is upon us. For some of you, it has already begun. And that's what I'm here to talk about today is early voting. For a lot of people, they don't realize that in some of their states that early voting has already begun. I know for a fact that in the state that I live in, the state of Montana, We have early voting here in our state. I think it's a beautiful thing, but it is not widely enough discussed to where a lot of people know it's going on. Those of us who are in the political know in the sense that we are constantly paying attention to politics may be very well in tune to that, but the average casual person, I believe, does not understand that early voting is a thing or that it occurs in their state. So I thought I would take a brief moment to talk about why it exists. And I believe it is existing in the sense to increase voter turnout. Voter turnout is something that I believe is incredibly essential for every election, but especially this one. Now, in the 2018 midterm elections, I was proud of the fact that Montana was the second highest voter turnout state here in America. Uh, only behind, I believe, uh, it was Minnesota or Colorado. It was one of those two. But either way, those three states were the only three states in the country that had even over 60% voter turnout in the 2018 midterm elections. Now, that is mind-boggling to me, that so many states have such a small number of turnout that we can talk about the fact that getting to 60% is top three. I don't believe it should be like that. I feel as though other people have that same thought, which is why so many people are pushing for expanded ways to vote. Now, one of the ways that we can expand voting in a lot of states is by allowing early voting. And as of right now, 21 states allow early voting. So... Early voting is happening mostly 
by absentee ballots. Uh, Mail-in ballot that you get that you can essentially fill out and return at your leisure as long as it's before the election day. And some places, some states also allow there to be actual polls opened up that people can go to basically any day before the election. Now, I've made a quick list of some of the states that are already holding their early um, early voting. So as of January 17th, Minnesota has absentee ballots already coming in. And on January 18th, the states of Vermont and Virginia are doing what they call no-excuse in-person absentee voting. As of January 25th, the state of Michigan is allowing early voting. And on February 2nd, the state of Maine will allow early voting. And then finally, on February 3rd, the state of California will start their early voting process. Now, many more states have early voting beginning in the state of February. I'm just going to rattle off a few names here. If you live in one of these states, just be on the lookout. In February 3rd as well, that is the Iowa caucus. I'm sure many of you already know that for those of you who live in Iowa. And the primary for New Hampshire is on February 11th. But on February 12th, early voting begins in Tennessee. On February 13th, early voting begins in North Carolina. On February 15th, early voting begins in Nevada. On February 17th, early voting begins in Arkansas. And on February 18th, early voting begins in Texas and Utah. And on February 19th, early voting begins in Arizona. So those are some of the dates. There are more on top of that. But those are some of the dates that are coming up just within the next month. If you live in any of those states, be on the lookout. If you did not hear your state being called, I urge you to go find out when early voting starts in your state, if it does begin in your state, and whether or not it has any restrictions. Going through the state laws of each individual state, I have learned that while every state does allow some form of absentee ballot voting, that not all states do early voting, and not all states allow for absentee ballot voting without some, what they would call, excuse. So I misspoke earlier by saying that 21 states allowed for early voting. What I meant to say was that 21 states actually allow for what they call no-excuse absentee ballot voting. So what that means is that you can request an absentee ballot without any particular reason versus the other 29 states require that you have to have some specific reason for requesting an absentee ballot. And some states, the requests um, aren't really that involved. They don't really have a whole lot of restrictions to them. But then other states have an incredible amount of restriction to them. I was actually kind of appalled at seeing what the restrictions were on a state like Texas, but then again, I wasn't really surprised. So with that being said, the question comes down to, should there be a restriction on early voting? Proponents of early voting say it'll increase voter turnout. It helps with those who can't always show up on an election day. And I agree with this completely. You know, some 
you know, places of work are not going to give you that day off. They're not going to give you the time to get to a polling site. And sometimes you have to stand in line and wait for hours and it becomes unrealistic to get voting done on a specific day. I, for years, always thought that either absentee balloting or early voting was the way to go. And I've been happy to see that that trend is going that direction now. But when you have a state like we do here in Montana, where you can vote early for, you know, a couple weeks before the election, it really allows an environment to where anyone can vote at any time because there's always going to be a time within the you know weeks leading up to the election where you can make it to a polling site. And that's if you decide not to do an absentee ballot. So I personally don't understand how some of these states can say that they don't want absentee balloting to happen or they don't want early voting to happen. Just as recently as September of last year in the state of New Hampshire, the governor there vetoed a bill that would have allowed for no excuse absentee balloting in New Hampshire, citing that he thought that it would potentially increase the risk of fraud or saying that it diminishes the state's rich history of um, showing up to the polls on election day. And it just sounds like a bunch of bullshit. Let's just call it what it is. At the end of the day, the risk of fraud doesn't make any sense to me. In the age of everything being digital, when you submit your vote to the county elections office, whichever county you happen to live in, they mark down your vote. So at the end of the day, if someone were to vote twice, they would have a record of that. And if someone were to vote that wasn't registered, they would have a record of that because they have a, re they have a record of everyone who's registered to vote in their county and they can count it against that. There would be no irregularities. There'd be no way that you could fool a system into letting someone vote twice because they have a record of everyone who did vote or who didn't vote. And if there was a twice vote on any particular person, they could just remove one of the votes. Or if there was someone who didn't exist or wasn't supposed to vote there, they could check that against their records too. I mean, any Excel spreadsheet could get this done. At the end of the day, when people argue against giving people access to voting, it is just a way to suppress a certain type of voter. And I feel like it is incredibly slimy, it's incredibly greasy, and I'm just not a fan of it. I know that there's some people who are out there who are afraid of people voting illegally. And let me just be clear. I wouldn't want anyone voting illegally. I wouldn't want anyone voting who's like not a citizen or shouldn't be voting for whatever reason that that would be. But at the end of the day, in this age of technology, it should be incredibly simple to basically make sure that no one ever voted illegally versus having a database that checked to see if you're supposed to be voting and to make sure that every person who does vote only votes once. Any computer could take care of this task and to create some weird hysteria claiming that people are voting illegally or that people are voting multiple times. That's just a bunch of just nonsense. It's a bunch of junk as far as I'm concerned. So I'm just going to completely push back on that argument that there shouldn't be early voting or there shouldn't be, you know, absentee ballot voting. And I feel for those 29 states where they have to deal with those restrictions. And I hope that if you live in one of those states that has restrictions or doesn't have access to early voting, 
that you will band together with other people who feel the way that you do within your state and hopefully push certain elected officials in your area to change this issue to a more positive outcome. Because we all need to be more engaged in our political system. Because when we are not engaged, we see what happens in Washington and in even in our local politics when they feel as though no one's watching them and they, can, and they just do whatever it is they want to do because they just feel as though people aren't really engaged in politics anyway. We all need to be more engaged. We all need to be paying attention more. And that starts with voting. And it starts with being able to vote, which is why early voting is so important. It's so crucial. Please get out there and spread the word. Vote in your elections, people. In my final segment for today, I will be giving my response to a special follower by the name of Amy Smith at Fire Heather, who took the time to listen to a previous episode and give me her feedback about what she thought about my analysis of the impeachment trial and why she slightly disagreed with my take on it. So instead of typing out a response to Amy on Twitter, I thought I'd just give you a special response here on the podcast itself because I appreciated you taking the time to really give me a thoughtful analysis. So my feelings about the impeachment are a little bit different from some of the mainstream thoughts out there. I know the the thoughts around impeachment right now are that we need to get witnesses into the Senate so that the people of America can really hear what he's done so that they can understand the crimes that he committed and that we really just need to essentially get the truth out there. And I don't disagree with that. I don't at all. I think the problem really comes from the fact that we are in a situation right now where I feel like too much time is being spent on it. And what I mean by that is that at the end of the day, what I truly believe is that a lot of people probably feel similarly to how I do, whether it's the exact way that I feel or if it's the inverse. And so what I mean is that right now, for me personally, I don't need to hear anything else about the impeachment because I've already made up my mind about how I'm voting this year. And I feel like most people have as well. If you know you're voting Republican, then you know you're voting Republican. If you know you're voting Democrat, you know you're voting Democrat. There really aren't too many people, personally, who I believe are truly in that swing area right now. I know that numbers-wise, there's probably hundreds of thousands, if not maybe over a million people who are legitimately swing voters who haven't made up their mind yet. But in comparison to those who have already made up their minds, I guess that I think that number kind of is dwarfed by those who have made up their mind about how they're going to vote. In many years in the past, in an election year like this, there would probably be a much larger number of people who are true swing voters. But in the era of Donald Trump, I feel like people have made up their minds about him a long time ago. In the sense that they're either fully behind him and they feel like every attack against him is a conspiracy, or they're fully against him and they can't wait to get him out of there. And so... 
I feel as though for those on the side of wanting to vote against Trump who want to vote for a Democrat, the issues that I feel are more pertinent to those group of voters are to essentially highlight what exactly are the policies of the people who are running for president and how are they going to impact people and how have the current policies impacted people. I feel like we just need more discussion around the proposed future of the country because the impeachment one way or the other whether or not we find out more dirt about donald trump is not really going to change anything we already all know that he's corrupt and some people are okay with that and some people aren't but we don't really need to know any more information to know that end goal which is that donald trump is corrupt unfortunately for those who are pushing for this impeachment trial they don't have a whole lot of moral high ground to stand on because in this trial, one of the center figures in the trial is also a Democratic frontrunner in the name of Joe Biden. And so while they're asking for witnesses to be allowed by Senator McConnell, they're also not allowing Joe Biden to testify in this trial. So essentially, it almost puts Democrats in a place of weakness because while they're asking on one hand for there to be witnesses, they're also refusing to have certain people who are Democrats be witnesses. And so it honestly, it just makes the Democrats look bad, in my opinion. Like you can't have it both ways. You can't ask, you can't put pressure on McConnell and say that we need to have people like Bolton testify and other people testify against Trump, but you can't allow other people to be testifying, you know, essentially on the other side. So, and it also doesn't look good that it was Democrats, you know, tw- you know, 20 years ago or so, who during the impeachment trial of Clinton, they were the party at that time who were arguing against allowing witnesses to be there while the Republicans were asking for there to be witnesses. So it, it just looks bad all around. It just looks like a giant farce. It just looks like the party who's in power doesn't want witnesses, and the party who's not in power wants witnesses. And it's the exact situation that was happening in the late 90s only inverse now honestly i think it's just a giant sham and it's a distraction and it's a waste of time because we already all know what the end result's going to be and in the meanwhile unfortunately donald trump and his administration is using the distraction of impeachment to get other pieces of legislation pushed through that are now being cloaked underneath this giant distraction of impeachment like the legislation they just signed through that retracts the government regulations surrounding water rights in this country, which allows for additional pollution to now be dumped into waterways all around our country now that President Trump signed into law just only a couple of days ago. And it's stuff like that that we really need to be focusing on because those are the things that we need to be hitting Trump with in the election. You know, not what happened in the Ukraine when a politician was bullying another politician to get dirt on his political rival. I understand that there's no place for that in our politics, but let's just be fair. You know, that is not the way that we're going to beat this president. And we honestly have better ways to use our time.
right, everyone, that is our show for today. I want to thank you all for checking out Indie Thought. Independent Thought is brought to you by your host, Desmond Price. You can follow us on Twitter at Independent Thought or at Indie, I-N-D-E, Thought. So, again, thank you all for coming and hanging out with me. For those of you who found me on iTunes or on Spotify, please go ahead and subscribe to us. Give us a five-star rating. If you give us a four-star rating, I'm inclined to think you're a hater. So don't hate. Thank you so much, and I hope to see you all next time.